0: Okay. Okay. All right, we'll see what we can do. Chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew is known as a Sermon on the Mount, or Sermon on the Mount. Um. When the choir gets ready to sing a song on Sunday, the normal length of an anthem that we do is four minutes, but we've gone over it four five, six weeks, and it means a whole lot more to us then than, than you just getting it one time. So this is kind of like this Sunday school lesson today. I've been looking at it all week. And it's been one of the most convicting lessons that I've looked at in a long time. So when you listen to what we're going through today, kind of picture in your mind that wherever your secret place is with the Lord, that you're there, just you and Him. Because what Jesus said right here at the beginning of Matthew uh, sets the stage for his ministry for the three years that he had. Uh, if your Bibles like mine, chapter five, six, and seven are almost all totally read, and and it's his words, and everything he said was true. Um, we have several times in the early chapters of Luke he was in the synagogue and the people were coming and seeing him and he says we wonder at this guy because this is Bill's paraphrase (laughs) we wonder at this guy because he speaks with such authority he was God of the universe and yet he was fully man and At this point in time, the only thing that the Jews knew was what the religious leaders of the day were telling them, which was the Pharisees. And I I didn't realize uh, until this study, the Pharisees are not mentioned in the Old Testament at all. It's just mentioned in the New Testaments and some of the commentators that I read from this week said that it was probably during the the Greeks, which is the 400 silent years that we have where the sect of the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to be. And the Pharisees were ones who um, knew the law. To be a Pharisee, you had to quote the first five books of the Bible. And uh, that's the Pentateuch. Their Torah ha- adds a lot of stuff to it. And it's that stuff that Jesus had to answer to as he went through his ministry. About walking through the wheat fields and picking some grains of wheat and rubbing, you know, they considered that work. Well, uh, the Sabbath in the Old Testament didn't didn't consider that particular thing but they broadened it and, and redefined it and added to and it's all those kind of things that they were interested in and the Pharisees were more interested in the outward appearance, everything that was outward appearance. We find out right quick that's not Jesus's focus. So in in the baptism of 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 Jesus back it's back one page in my bible but anyway um, in chapter 3 verse 7 it says when they saw many pharisees and sadducees coming for baptism he said to them you brood of vipers who warns you to flee from the wrath to come Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. All right, that's John. When we open up this morning, when we all open up chapter five, verse one, when Jesus saw the crowds, he he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down with his disciples, he opened his mouth and began to teach. Now, there's a couple of things we want to say there. Disciples. Uh, we, we sometimes limit it to the twelve. That wasn't the case here. Most everybody says these were Christ's followers, people that he, that he had rung their bell and he, they, he wanted to, to hear more. It was the disciples, but it was more than the disciples. Skip quickly to verse 20 of chapter 5. For I say unto you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is all that the Jews knew at that time was what the Pharisees were telling them. And that that you had to keep the letter of the law. You had to keep all these little jots and tittles. And yet Jesus is coming and saying something brand new. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you don't have any hope. What Jesus gives in the the Beatitudes is not the plan of salvation, but it is foundational to the Christian life. It's just foundational to what what is said there. So let's dive in. The first thing I want to pick up is this word "beatitude." Uh, it's one of those words that um, has one meaning. You look it up; it'll tell it'll tell you the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, beatitude. Be attitude. You know, and what he's saying here is blessed, the blessed, happy, uh, content uh, in in your attitude. Now, I've given you many times this this thing about attitude that Chuck Swindoll wrote that I carried around all my work life in the Upstate, and I look try to look at it every day. And there's a few copies up here if, if, you, if you missed it. It's, I think he nails it in here about attitude. And this is what Jesus is talking about too. But this is from Swindoll. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past than education, than money, than circumstances, than failure, than success, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact how some people act a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string that we have. That is attitude. I'm convinced that. That life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are all in charge of our attitudes. Ah. Our attitudes. So be attitudes. Jesus starts out when he gets these disciples together, he doesn't come out with a bunch of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Like our Ten Commandments that we went through back in Exodus. Thou shalt not. Jesus doesn't go there. He's a smart man. He's God of the universe. But he says, he starts with verse 3. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God, of heaven, excuse me. Anybody got an idea what what, uh, what Jesus is trying to get across here? Blessed is the poor in spirit, remembering attitude, remember inward looking, not outward looking like the, pho- the Pharisees said, but inward looking. Pardon? Recognizing my neediness of God's presence. He means the humble, the lowly minded, the self abased. He means those who are deeply convicted of their own sinfulness in God's sight. You let that sink in. Poor in spirit, people who are deeply convicted about our own sinfulness in front of an almighty, all-knowing, all-heavenly Father. In your quiet place, humility is the first letter of the christian alphabet according to this writer first letter blessed are those who are spirit are poor in spirit those who are deeply convinced of their own sinfulness in god's sight so jesus is going straight to the heart of the matter here he's not saying the what the pharisees said He's not going on all these things we must do. He's looking within. He's looking within us. Verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, for theirs shall be comforted. He means those who are sorry for sin and grieve daily, daily over their own shortcomings. People who are more concerned about sin than anything on earth. The resemblance of this grievous to them, it's a burden, it's intolerable. People who are more concerned about sin than anything on earth. Go to your private place. I don't do that, you know. Am I more concerned about my sin than anything else? No. Why why am I not? Blessed are those who mourn. Looking at at us. Verse 5. My Bible says, gentle, your may say is meek, but it says, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit inherit the earth. He means those who are patient, they're willing to put a little honor here below to bear the injuries without resentment. They're not ready to take any offense a lot of times in this life we take others offense somebody is wounded and we take take up their offense that's sometimes noble but in this particular case what he's trying to, to understand that it's always it's always to honor what we have here never losing the long run for one day they will reign on the earth in our reading, Belt and I reading through the Bible again and we hit Ezekiel whoa (laughs) there's a lot I don't understand about the book of Ezekiel But one thing I do understand is when God told Israel doom was coming because of their sinfulness and it happened and from this point in history we look back and we don't see those people who were troublesome in that point. We don't hear about any Philistines. We don't see anything about the nation of Tyre well, they're gone. And you know what? Scripture said they'd be gone. They're not there. This gospel song we sing, world is not my home, I'm just traveling through. While we're singing it, that might be true, but more times than not, this world is our home. We're more concerned about what happens here than our heavenly home now i don't mean to be calloused that's not that's not my point but we need to understand that this vapor as james says this vapor is just for a little while just for a little while and jesus is trying to point this out when he says blessed are the meek or the gentle the gentle yes we're having a disagreement or, or a conflict with someone we're to the father he said our our goal should be for Jesus to win and so that kind of hit, hit home. Yeah, abs- absolutely absolutely we're going to I'm going to pick up uh, something else in Romans just a minute that kind of addresses that Larry but thank you verse 6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who desire above all things to be entirely conformed to the mind of God. They long not so much to be rich or wealthy or learn as it is to be holy. Separation in the christian life is something that we used to do i'm afraid today separation or being holy or being set apart we're so intermingled with the world that people can't tell the difference and it's getting worse It bothers me about my own grandchildren, you know. We compromise, we compromise. Bill Gothard said one time, what one generation takes in moderation, the next generation takes in excess. And it is true, it is true. I I won't go any further than that. The next one he says, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He means those who are full of compassion towards others. They pity all who are suffering either from sin or from sorrow and long to make their suffering less. They're always doing good. I've told you before that Velter's spiritual gift is mercy. And I got very little of it. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, you know, we look at this, blessed are those who are merciful. You see, you see where, where Jesus is going with this? He's looking inward at where we are. Compassion for others. I got to work on that. I got to work on that. Like I say, this has been a convictive lesson for me. When you stop and look at what scripture says and how Jesus starts out his earthly ministry. He said blessed are these people. And it's not keeping rules and regulations. It's not legalistic. It's introspective. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. A inner holiness. They seek to serve God with the spirit of the inner being, pure in heart. Just that word. Sometime my heart is ugly. We'll pause now for station identification. The next one blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of god those who use their influence to promote peace and love on earth in private and in public and home and abroad love is the fulfillment of the law which goes along with what larry said a while ago peacemakers i don't like conflict I don't know about you, but I I run from conflict. I just don't like conflict. And anything that I can do to, to, uh, to move it past it, I will. There have been several times in my Christian life, because of where I was, I had to hit a problem. And I don't know but one way to hit a problem. And that's head on right now. Uh, it's just being a peacemaker, being a peacemaker. Verse 10 and verse 11 kind of go together, and most people, scholars have put them together as number eight. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your payment is in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I don't know that I've been persecuted for something I've said. Scripture also says, be careful when things when people just say good things about you. Uh. He means that those who laugh are mocked and spies are badly treated because they endeavor to live true Christians. The writer of this said these are the f- eight foundational stones. On which the Lord lays down the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes. And it has a lot to what we choose to do. Do we choose to be merciful? Do we choose to be pure in heart? Do we choose to be peacemakers? In your quiet place with the Lord. You know. Mm. Verse 13, he says you're the salt of the earth but if the salt has become t- tasteless how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot of men. Salt. Sometimes my crazy crazy mind works Funny, I said, I wonder who the first person was that put salt on some crowder peas. You know, and said, you know, that, that helps, you know. That helps. Salt. It's a preservative. It's a seasoning. Uh, but Jesus said, if the salt has lost its, its flavor... If it's lost its saltiness, what's it good for? Good for gravel. Just throw it out. And Jesus is doing something here. He's comparing his disciples. He's telling them what he wants them to be. He wants them to be salt. He wants them to be seasoning. You that... Run cattle. You put a salt, lake. salt lick out. Salt, salt their food. What do they do? Go, go find the water. If we are salt and we spread salt to those we love, we need to point them to the water of life. Salt. Salt. And then he continues on in verse 14: And you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that he gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven when jesus created the world what was the first thing he did light. Light. let there be light light it it a lot of times it it brings light to confusion. When you turn on the light, and there's no more darkness. Uh, it's healing. Um, it guides. It cheers. Uh, it's very useful. This so, thing. You know, have we ever used the example of the putting the two wires and the light bulb in, in water and then asphalt? And the more salt you put in, the brighter the light is. That's, that's good. Yeah, that's true. The Christian life is a practical faith. Sound doctrine, knowing what you're talking about, is foundational. But holy living is the fruit. Dwell on that a little bit. You need to know what the Scripture says. It's foundational. But your life needs to bring forth fruit. Needs to bring forth fruit. Real quickly, turn to Romans chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans Chapter Five. I'm sorry, Chapter Eleven. Twelve. Chapter Twelve. I'll get it right in a minute. I think I've told you before that Chuck Swindoll kind of rings my bell because he's not too, I can understand Chuck. <laughs> and he calls this passage in Romans twelve nine through 16 as Christianity 101. Uh, it's good to go back and read it. And this goes along with what Larry said a while ago. Verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Love what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly, and do not be wise in your own estimation. What Jesus said in the Beatitudes, in a lot of ways, Paul has brought it back as the fundamentals of what the Christian life is. It's what the Christian life is. There's many things we could say, but... I think I'll leave it at that for today. We just we just got to, in our private place, take your Bible and go to the Beatitudes and you and the Lord do business. I've continued, I have continued to work to do on myself. Continue to work to do on myself. We're quickly going in to very some very practical things. Jesus is talking about the Beatitudes, the attitudes we have inwardly, and he's real quickly going to get in some personal responsibilities, uh, things that we need to, to really look at. Uh, we looked at the Ten Commandments, um uh, and and we see what the Ten Commandments say. But now, he's going to broaden that. Um, he says here in the same chapter, verse 27, You've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. We skip verse 17 and 18, but we'll hit it next week. But Jesus said, he says, I didn't come to do away with the law, but I came to fulfill it in every way. Do not commit adultery. And yet Jesus is taking it a step further. He says, be careful what you think about and what you look about. And we talked about that last week with temptation or the last time I talked. Temptation. It's a very practical book. It's a very humbling book. It's a very it's very it's very good. And it's it's all centered about not about us. That's what Rick Warren wrote in The Purpose Driven Life. He says, It's not about us. It's not about us. Okay. Well, we'll pick up there next week and go from there. I'm not sure if Art's gonna, if Art's gonna do it or I'm gonna do it. But anyway, we'll we'll pick up there next week with verse 21 and go from there. That's uh, it. That's right. Well, let's go to the Lord and then we'll be mis- dismissed from this place. Father, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for loving us and being with us. We ask that you go with us from this place. Father, make us the people that you want us to be. And may we be do business with you on our attitudes and everything. Bless us now, in Jesus' name, amen.